0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Startup Hustle Middle East Uh, today we are so excited because we've been watching this business for a while now it's called Mr. Draper and we have the founder of Mr. Draper with us today Uh, so welcome Mahmood to the show so if you had to describe Mr. Draper in what's your elevator pitch of Mr. Draper?
1: So basically what we're doing is making shopping as convenient and as personalized as possible. And the way we do that is allowing the customer to try on clothes picked by his own stylist in the comfort of his own home for five days, keeping what he loves and send back what he doesn't. And the idea is the more he uses the service, the more we understand and the more we can personalize it. And as always, it's as convenient as ever because we're doing all the work and then you do the shopping at home.
0: Okay, great.
1: By the way,
2: if you guys are wondering why I'm dressed differently right now, it's because we're shooting this after the video.
0: <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and also the company?
1: Sure. Um, first, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think this is an awesome idea mm-hmm. and uh, I hope it picks up and we see a lot more founders coming here and telling true stories, <laughs> running, and running companies. Thank you, man. Um, so I was born and raised in the US. Mm-hmm. I was, no, sorry, I was born in Syria, but I grew up in the US. Okay. Um, left Syria when I was about six years old. Um, graduated from West Virginia University with a finance and accounting degree okay. and went through the typical route of um, getting into consulting. So I worked for Accenture for three and a half years. So okay. I did two years of that um, and rotated between two roles. So at one point um, I was looking to take a vacation outside of the U.S. and never really traveled abroad okay. other than going back to Syria to see my family. Right. So um, I've heard a lot about Dubai, and mm-hmm. in December, I can't really remember, I think it was 2010 or 2009, I came here to visit. Mm-hmm. I stayed for two weeks. Um, I knew some people here. They showed me around. I just thought the place was incredible. Yeah. So, uh, I think that happens to a lot of people when they first yeah. visit yeah, Dubai. Yeah, it's pretty impressive yeah. uh, when you yeah. visit. Yeah, and, and you never leave. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: come well, visit. That's what, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, I.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it had the, the mix of um, the Western culture and what I was trying to get close to, which is back to my roots. Right. Um, I, again, I'm originally Syrian. I, I wanted to learn Arabic, get better mm-hmm. at speaking that, um, and it was just such a shock to me that um, this was happening in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, w- was here in December, spent two weeks, and then went back to the U.S. and quit my job and said, "I'm going. Uh, I'm going to go live in Dubai." Okay. Um, when I was at Accenture I spoke to my my manager and I was like uh, yeah, I want to move to Dubai. She's like, "You know what? Um, we're actually opening an office in Dubai." Really? Um, yeah. Uh, we have a couple of people on the ground there, do you want to interview for a potential mm-hmm. role?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. I think perfect." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, being uh, an American that's more I mean that grew up in a small town. Right. Um, when I was interviewing, they kept telling me, oh, this is an Abu Dhabi, this is an Abu Dhabi. In my head, like, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, same thing. Okay. <laughs> whatever. uh <Uh-oh. laughs> So anyways, I interviewed, I got the job, I was going to help set up the office here. hmm Vacation December, moved to Dubai in February. Okay. So two months, I wow. turned my entire life around. Wow. And Dubai or Abu Dhabi? <laughs> so I moved to Dubai thinking, like, Abu Dhabi, whatever, it's 30 minutes away, 45 minutes away, like whatever okay. I can manage. Turned out, not only was it in Abu Dhabi, but it was like in the heart of Al Ain. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> I was going, like, uh, I was driving an hour and a half every day to take care of my visa, etc. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, look, I moved all the way across the world. I don't want to live in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. So, I spoke with Accenture again, and it's like, sorry, like, I'm gonna be looking for a new role. Um, so, I started interviewing all over the place. Um, I've always been interested in retail. Okay. Um, specifically in fashion. I did work at like Hollister and Abercrombie when I was younger. Okay. I did like, I did like uh, being in that scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, interviewed at Sherhue Group. Um, and then I got a job and started working there in their um, fashion Sher-Hoo division. Group. Yeah, Sher-Hoo, which is like a luxury retailer here. Probably right. like the biggest yeah. in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So I worked for them uh, in the fashion division. I was managing about 400, 500 shops across the GCC. Wow, well, they have no that money. many. What's that?
2: They have that many, huh?
1: Yeah, they actually, have it's sh- huge. GCC-wide, Yeah, right,
2: uh, They are very big. Saudi, yeah,
1: they had shop- shops everywhere. And um, so I was working in finance, and um, my main responsibility was basically monitoring the P&L, identifying any gray areas, any weaknesses, trying to make manage recommendations to management. And then also at the same time, what I was doing is um, running business plans for potential um, acquisitions from Europe trying to bring them to the Middle East to launch here. Okay. Um, so I do like store rollouts, financial planning, resource planning, etc. Wow.
2: Yeah, so um, So you're deep entrenched into the fashion industry. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that's really yeah. like where I got my retail experience um, right. over the course of 2 years I learned a lot. It's a huge incredible company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to get more out of it. I, I basically put together a plan of where I wanted to be within Shaloo within the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, I started realizing that you know the company wasn't heading in that direction. Okay. So I left to join another startup. Okay. So there was a startup that's uh, an HR consultancy. Okay. That had their first office in the UK and they were launching in the Middle East and um, they were looking for their first hire in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. What was it called? It was called Elleran Partners. Okay. Does it exist? Is um, it exists in a form in the UK, but no longer in the Middle East. Okay. okay. So I was their first hire. Um, it was a very scrappy startup. It was me, and I worked with the two partners directly. Okay. Um, and there, that's where I really got like my pitch experience and learning how to um, talk to potential partners, how to bring them on board, because right. what they were really doing is selling, selling now that I think about it, it was way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. They were s- selling uh, AI for workforce analytics. Okay. So there
0: are a lot of startups in that space right now. Now nah,
1: we were doing yeah. this in 2012. Okay, okay. so the market was not ready for the startup. Yeah, like not only that, like not only were they not ready, we, we were talking to government. Right. Okay. And these guys were just doing performance appraisals on Word documents and Excel. Mm. Right. And we were coming in and saying, like, we can predict what your workforce is going to be like next... Three years. Who's going to leave? Who's going to stay? Blah, 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 and so it's markets aren't <laughs> ready, and you're talking
0: to people that have a slow adoption rate to technology. At that, uh, thing, so at that, point, at that time, at that time, yeah. the, think I of,
2: think the UAE government is quite uh,
1: exactly. very yeah. pro
0: AI, yeah, very pro blockchain, pro technology. Yeah, pro yeah technology. Like,
1: had we had they been doing that then? Or had they been doing that now? be much different story right because these guys were brilliant that I was working with Mm -hmm. it's just the timing was off and that's funny about business right it happens a lot yeah Yeah. it's not always how good you are and how much money you have timing by the way is like I think the second biggest factor of success
2: I I saw a TED talk where it says it is the biggest factor yeah I think we're watching the the same thing (laughs) yeah Yeah, it
1: it is a big is it team or uh, timing I forget but I I saw one where
0: it was team first and then timing yeah and at the time I was kind of acting as a marketing consultant on a startup. And I was like, I completely get that it's team first, you know? Yeah, because that that was I I think
2: you can have the best team in the world. But if your timing is off, it just won't work.
0: So I think it's based on personal experiences, like because Sid with his dad as well, has come up with a lot of ideas and Mm. executed on those ideas a bit up to the stage of an MVP or something. And right. it's just been bad timing. Like <laughs> he tried a dubizzle variation.
2: So back in the day, we tried um, we launched Dubai Classifieds online.com This okay. was in 2000? Ooh. 2000.
1: Oh yeah, way ahead of your game. Yes. Yeah.
2: So uh, I I I was always into technology, and I um, and I had studied web development and stuff. So I knew how to make it. And I saw that, you know, things like Craigslist and stuff were like picking up in the U.S. And, you know, the whole dot-com yeah. uh, craze was happening. And I was like, you know, the buy internet has started coming into people's homes and stuff. So this is going to be a big thing. So we tried it, but people just refused to uh, post on it. Like we'd, we'd send out faxes to <laughs> you know oh to my the, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we used to send faxes to companies to like give their information so people could search for it and we could index that information but just people weren't on board with the idea that people would search for things on the internet. Like you know at that time crazy. That's and and just, seventeen years, right? I like yeah. 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 it was it was very early days for the internet in uh, in UAE. So yeah. yeah timing over there was completely off. Like yeah. I think if I had done the same thing four years later it would have got a lot more adoption. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So,
1: so yeah, I mean, they, they, that was the case with these guys that yeah. they had brilliant ideas and um, they were ahead of the time Yeah. and perhaps maybe in the wrong, in the wrong market as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically what happened was they, we were, they were here for about a year they didn't close any deals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one day, um, we pitched a big client and we all were like celebrating, like oh yeah, we are definitely got this. And then mm-hmm. that was on a Thursday. The following Sunday, they I went to the office and actually worked at the guy's apartment. I went to his <laughs> apartment, mm-hmm. and they're like, look, like we didn't get the deal. Um, I'm like, oh no, I'm, like that's terrible. Like yeah, not only that, but we can't afford to pay you anymore. Like okay. we mm-hmm. thought we would close a deal by now, but we we can't. Mm-hmm. And um, so you have two choices: like you continue working, and once and if we close a deal, we can back in and, and, and pay you for what, what we missed or you can start looking for jobs okay and this was so like, you didn't have any equity tough, in the company. no i didn't it okay. was a salary okay it's like 2012 i think or 2013 i can't really remember and okay. it was like two a month before ramadan wow. so we know what happens during ramadan <laughs> yeah. yes
0: so for Less people Indian that biscuits. don't know yeah. yes yeah exactly so for people that don't know because we have a couple of listeners who are actually living in the u.s and oh, all nice. over the world yeah. Um, so during Ramadan, the market is just really slow. It's
1: very quiet. People yeah.
2: go on hibernation more. Than
1: yes. <laughs> well, the days are shorter. It's equivalent to the, the last week of December in the U.S. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: So, so that it was, it was, it isn't it a precarious <sighs> position to be in. Exactly. So yeah, really?
1: um, look, I was uh, single and didn't have mm-hmm. kids, so it wasn't that huge of a deal. And, mm-hmm. But I knew that it was going to take a while for me to look, to find a job. Right, um, but again, a blessing in disguise. Because mm-hmm. what ended up happening is I had a lot of time on my hands, and I started using that time to say like, wait, maybe there's an opportunity for me here to start a business. Okay, so that's what I use that time for to okay. start like brainstorming ideas and and come up with ideas of things that I would potentially start. Mm-hmm. And to me, like starting a business then was like my. My dad, and your dad's <coughs> version of starting a business. Right. I knew nothing about startups. I didn't know what VCs do. I, like, I didn't know any of these things. Sure. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to start a company and like sell and trade and do something like super simple and be <coughs> my yeah. own boss. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought about it that way. So I had a couple ideas. I mean, like One of the ideas I was actually looking at was starting the equivalent of like American Idol but for football. Okay. So, like, recruit uh, young talented players from across the... Uh, make a TV show? Make a TV show. Oh, yeah, and start a, emailing people. And, that's not a bad idea. Actually. It actually ended up happening. That's oh, really? That somebody actually launched. I think MBC yeah. launched. That's pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I was like, okay. I, I had no idea, like, what I was doing. Because football is okay. a huge uh, sport out here. And there's yeah. one decent talent, I think, yeah. that if they were exposed and had some training. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... they, they, they could be something there, and um, I was emailing people at NBC. And, uh, saying, <laughs> yeah, I have an idea for a TV show. Nobody obviously got back to me. <laughs> I was interviewing for jobs. Yeah. Um, in terms of like clothes, I always liked dressing nice. I mean, that was something I was into. I looked up to my grandfather, mm-hmm. although I've never met. I've never met, but I always saw in pictures. Right, he was mm-hmm. always dressed extremely sharp. Travertinely mm-hmm. bought his suits there. And I just, I kind of had that vision of it in my mind. And... That was something that um, I was attracted to, so I I tried to emulate that myself. Okay. Um, And during that period, since I had a lot of free time, a lot of my friends would say, like, hey, Mm -hmm. when I go to the mall, can you come with me, help me pick out things, like, for me? I would do that as, like, a personal stylist, and I was like, you know what? Like, I have a great idea. Like, I can launch a personal styling business. Right. Mm -hmm. The idea was, like, I'd hire a bunch of personal stylists, and uh, I would outsource them to people who wanted styling advice, and I would charge a fee. So I started looking into that, and I was like, wait. It's like a bunch of these, mm. <laughs> and, they're, really? and like they're charging 500 dirhams an hour. Are there a lot of personal stylists? There is, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I like know ex that Ex-fashion designers lot... have become stylists, and yeah, yeah they freelance. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: I know that there's a lot for women. I guess I've never really looked at and men, but it's for a bigger men. problem for men, so... Uh, I think so, yeah. I think uh, yeah. It's interesting, yeah.
1: Yeah, and like they're charging 500 dirhams an hour, and all they're doing is taking them all and saying, this looks good, and this doesn't, and then you're buying the clothes. Okay. Not a great deal unless you can afford it. So it's more for people, people with uh, high disposable income. Right. And what's so funny is that, um, you know, I got an email from one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. That was like um, a referral email. Okay. He like, hey, I tried. Uh, I tried X business. Here's a hundred dollars if you want to try it. Right. Why is this guy sending this to me? He's mm. never sent me anything like this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what he ended up sending me was the U.S. version of Mr. Draper. Mm. Okay. So I started looking into that. What is that called? Trump Club. Yeah, okay. I saw yeah. that
0: in a in a video where you were interviewed on CNN. I exactly. think you mentioned Trump Club. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 So I was like, "What is this? Like, why is he sending me?" This? So they forced me to look, and I was looking at it, and I was like, "And then, like, everything came together. It's like I know okay. how to do this side of it, and this is just a huge opportunity." In my head. This is a huge opportunity for the UAE. Like this right. is going to be big here. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started talking to my friends about it. Like a lot of people that are about to start a company think like, I oh, know I'm going to keep everything quiet to myself. Somebody's going to steal my idea. I did the complete opposite. Yeah. Told everybody about it. I think that's the right way to do it Yeah.
0: So I I am very protective of idea. I started to change <laughs> that about myself. Yeah. Um, but Sid's always always validated his ideas with people whose opinion he trusts. And he thinks an idea is nothing without execution. Everyone has freaking yeah, millions of, of ideas, of right?
2: Course. I think uh, I think it's the worst idea to not sense check your idea because it's like, you know, you
0: Some people, some well-intentioned people could really stop you from making a really bad mistake.
2: And, you know, you, when you sense check your idea also, you'll get different opinions from different people. Like, yeah. it might depend on their age group or, you know, their background. So it's, it's good to get different perspectives and... The idea that somebody's going to steal my idea and start it for themselves, like, I think it's a very, very small uh, percentage
1: uh, chance that second. something like that yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. And it's a kind of like a market research type of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's more social. And I, I talked to with everybody I can meet. Like, I was so excited about it. I've talked to, imagine like having a box of clothes, like pick my stylist and they'd be at your house. You yeah. Try it on, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, the response was overwhelmingly positive. And they're like, a lot of my friends were saying, you know, what well, if you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, like we would give I'm you a money. customer. Yeah, like, uh, we would give you money. We'd invest in this. Oh really? I said, really? Oh. Yeah. yeah. So that became interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't describe this, but I, it's like I was going through the motions of starting a company without really registering that I was starting a company. Right. Like I wrote a business plan, like 30 page document, which is, was good for me, but not for anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, I'm gonna do this okay. And this is what the market is like Because yeah. I know, didn't pitch uh, investors. My I, investors were my friends and family. Yeah, right?
0: but and you had experience in writing this with Shaloub, so I guess yeah, I guess um,
2: you know, I think they're uh, Like I don't think you need a business plan like a 30 page business plan But I think it's also a good exercise to do it because exactly. it's like a thought uh, exercise more than for anybody else for yourself yeah
1: 100 yeah, percent. it's great. good for yourself more yeah. than anybody else to kind yeah. of like put your thoughts in order know what you're going to do three years down line five and a lot of the things that we wrote in that business plan i still haven't yeah okay. things that we are executing or going to execute on that's okay. what i was
0: going to ask you how close has it been business plan versus reality
1: so, <laughs> so uh, in terms of strategy close in terms okay. of numbers way well. <laughs> off <laughs> i guess that's quite important <laughs> uh, like you know like when you're so yeah. excited about an idea you're like yeah like, i'm you're gonna have six thousand customers a month one yeah. like super optimistic super right? optimistic and when you and that's the thing like i didn't know anything about vcs or mm-hmm. having mentors or i didn't know anything about these things so i didn't do it yeah if i had to went in and talk to a vc at that stage I would Have gotten really destroyed, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but needless to say, I wasn't raising money from VCs. The seed or pre seed round came mm-hmm. from friends and family, wasn't enough looking back at all. But yeah. back then, it was like, Oh, I think it was three hundred thousand dollars or close to that. Mm-hmm. Wow, you raised yeah. that much pre seed, yeah. That's, That's not awesome, bad, man. but we yeah. were buying inventory so. Okay. That's not a lot when it and when you're buying inventory and it's three hundred thousand. It's not yeah. a lot. So okay. how
0: much did you keep for inventory versus technology or versus your? It was like
1: one hundred and eighty <laughs> to inventory, okay. like forty or sixty thousand to market. Like okay. We did everything possible. I'm not afraid to admit this because we learned so much. But everything we possibly do wrong, yeah. we mm-hmm. did wrong. Okay. Um, in terms of like equity splits, in terms of. Um, Cap table, and mm-hmm. managing that, in terms of how we did our marketing, mm-hmm. and we did all of that wrong. So but the, you're idea, not the sole found yeah. So uh, I mean, that was another like confusion that that happened is people that were putting in money were calling them, you know, they, they we made the assumption that they were founders, and then we later found out like no, then nobody was working on the business but me. So they, they can be just investors. investors. They're, just, they're really just angel investors, right. yeah. but we were all calling each other all founders, but nobody was working on the business mm-hmm. but me. Right, they would all chip in here and there, but okay. nobody was even close to full time. Mm-hmm. So there's that bit. Like, that was one, that was one of the mistakes we made, um, and the type of marketing that we're spending on made a lot of mistakes. There, we were doing like out, uh, outdoor banners. We were spending money on another company doing email campaigns for us. Okay. okay. So it's just like silly things like that, um, mm-hmm. and we spent money like decent money on them. Looking yeah. back, it's like I could have done so much more with that. Yeah. actually, the original traction of the business was organic versus all the other things that we've done because really? okay. the 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 product then was viral was so new so yeah. unique and so exciting mm. a lot of people when we launched were talking about it you got a lot of press we got a lot of free press yeah. um cnn nbc uh sky news mm. wow um yeah like, we got a lot of free press but didn't leverage yeah. it another mistake oh, really? we made like we didn't build off of it mm. we but didn't did it start bring building. you a lot of traffic we Got us a lot of traffic like so That was the downside of, um, how do I say this? is the downside of really not knowing what you're doing because the downside of getting great PR is you think, like, my job is done here. like I was basically just sitting here, sitting back and watching operations, Mm -hmm. whereas what I should have been doing is continuously investing and continuing growing, scaling the business, adding more stylists, adding more inventory. Mm -hmm. But what I was doing basically is just we got a bunch of demand. I was servicing it. Right. Mm. Right. And then just waiting to create the next wave of demand. Okay. So a lot of those years, uh, in the the first year we were growing, but Mm -hmm. we were growing organically without doing much marketing. Right. Um, Because we had spent all our marketing budget within like four months. Okay. Okay. And then we started playing around with Facebook. Just to give you an idea of our setup at that time. Mm -hmm. We took 2,200 square foot in Silicon Oasis, which we're still in now, but like just massively outgrown. Okay. and it was me and two stylists, a driver, and our inventory in one, all in one place. Okay. And we were spending no money on marketing. People were referring to each other, but we didn't know. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of the traffic we were getting in the early days in the first, I would say, maybe 18 months was just organic. Okay. And looking back on that now, I should have been raising money. Like, look at all this organic. We're not spending money on marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't know anything about raising money. Okay. I was running this like a traditional business. I was trying to be profitable. I was trying to be efficient. Uh, I was looking at the numbers like, oh crap, we lost money this month. Sent, some months we were profitable. Like right. it was very, I was running a very traditional way. Okay. I
0: have a question. Yeah. So you were getting a lot of organic traffic and conversions, what was your conversion rate
1: like? No, when I say organic traffic, I meant like actual customers using the service. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah. So
0: so interest and also converted yeah, to a customer. Basically
1: what was happening is somebody would use a service and they would mm-hmm. tell like five of their friends. Okay. And these guys would sign up and the stylist, back then, this is was our version of understanding referral. Mm-hmm. Or understanding uh, UTM links. I'm sure you're familiar yeah, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Our UTM link was our stylist basically saying, hey, what, how'd you hear about us? And they would say, oh, my friend told us. Or I saw a post you guys did on Facebook. And you
0: didn't even have a referral program in place. Okay. Okay. We didn't have a technology guy.
1: Okay. Okay. We freelanced the technology. We built our inventory system from scratch. Okay. Uh, We used Salesforce for our CRM, but Mm -hmm. didn't use it to its full potential. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these are the type of things that we spent money on in the early days that we shouldn't have. Right. Um, So, yeah. And... That kept going, and then as we started to grow, I started learning more about Facebook marketing, mm-hmm. and I was doing it internally myself, and that really picked up the pace a bit. Okay. So at one point, like I started noticing, okay, at this and like within six months we're gonna run out of cash. So mm-hmm. That's when I started fundraising, and okay. that's when the learning began. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? like that. That's when I like okay, well, I haven't been doing this right at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, uh, we should nobody should be afraid to admit that because mm-hmm. this is part of the process. Is that. yeah Yeah. but the thing is they say like learn break things quickly and learn and move on yeah we were breaking things very slowly and learning very slow so i started raising money and um you know my wife worked in consulting in the middle east so she had a lot of connections Mm -hmm. Um, we got introduced to the bigger guys um, in the vc world but we didn't necessarily i didn't go to talk to them about fundraising Mm -hmm. just talk to them about the business casually and we are blessed to have one of the guys at Bico Capital, who's like a personal friend of ours, okay. look at the business and say, like, you guys are screwing it. Like you guys are doing this all wrong. Okay.
0: Is this Amir? Yeah, <laughs>
1: incredible guy. Yeah, brilliant guy. They're doing amazing thing for the for the ecosystem. Yeah. And, and the thing I like about him is his honesty. He doesn't beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what he's truly trying to do is help. Mm-hmm. Right? like if you if you have soft skin yeah. he's probably going to get under your skin and, and like um, and make you feel bad about yourself okay. but if you realize his intention which is really so he's, teacher. Just, he's just trying to teach I'll him, help you improve the ecosystem Right. Yeah. and it was through these conversations that I had I've had a lot with him over the years mm-hmm. that I realized what was missing like things like cost of acquisition mm-hmm. you, know, like, you did not know that he, he's like, what? like and I was showing him my pitch deck which looked like an elementary school person had done it <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. he's like, you know, like I was saying things, you know, like we were in a year and a half, we were doing $300,000 in sales, okay. which is at three and a half years, no marketing yeah. spend, like 2% of that was spent on marketing. It's really good, but like I wasn't highlighting it. It's, mm-hmm. What I was showing is like $300,000 in sales. He's like, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> like, How efficiently are you doing this? That's what you need to be talking about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically, like, he showed me. Basically, all the mistakes I was making. Mm-hmm. So you know, at that point in time, as people have started companies, I'm sure you've been through this. Yeah, but you can make two decisions. You can say like, you know what, I really suck. I shouldn't be doing this and quit. Mm-hmm. Or you can take that, those lessons and just find ways to get better. Yeah.
0: But why would you be at those be at that crossroads anyway? Considering your business was making money, but, just, but your runway was six months. The is you not know, just
1: that? It's just like I, you know when you realize how many mistakes you made, you're like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Right? Okay. Like the way that, that mm-hmm. conversation with Amir is pretty rough.
2: I think every founder goes through that Self at doubt. some point. Yeah. Um, you know, cause there's no way that you know everything, right? Like uh, businesses require so many different skills yeah. and you will not have all those skills. So mm. of course. at some point or the other, you definitely doubt yourself. Uh, but, um, you know, I guess the ones who persevere You know, go on to. uh,
0: Yeah, tenacity. But I think in in that sense, also, it helps to have a co founder. Yeah. So, because if you are in that moment of like self doubt and beating yourself up, you need someone else to compensate and be optimistic about things. So, Mm. I mean, I know you said that a lot of people believed in the business and invested in it early on, but did you have anyone on your side, not from a VC side? Like a sounding yeah. board,
1: or was it Amir that was? It was like my partner in crime, my wife. <laughs> who's was you know I, you know she was a friend. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I can vouch to that relationship. Yeah. She was a friend, and then she became more than a friend, and then a you know, fiance, and then a girlfriend, and then right. and then a wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, having that is like having a co-founder, but not nobody nobody doing the work, but somebody that's a sounding word sounding right. board. Exactly. It really helps that she herself. In my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, is quite brilliant. I mean, she's okay. a super smart person. Completely, she understands business the game. Mind she business. Ends, she's business minded. She understands mm-hmm. the game. Like she's she was an excellent consultant. Mm-hmm. But she is, also has never been in the startup world, so right. we didn't. We both didn't know what hit us. So, so you were
0: both learning together. Both
1: learning together, and you know her role. I mean, to me, she is a co-founder, although she's not really in the business. Mm-hmm. She's invested most of the money, mm-hmm. um, but also in the sense that she takes on a lot of what I put on her, like oh this is a horrible mm. thing these are the yeah. mistakes that we're making this is what the, and she has to listen to that take that in and, and sort sure, of yeah. you know prop me up yeah. I think uh, really I think helps. your spouse makes a big difference right <laughs> 100% yes. you say amazing
0: things about me right
2: now <laughs> no you're, you're very supportive and that definitely helps because if, if you don't get support at home then and you're not you know it's tough at work as well then it, it yeah. can
1: be super challenging you know? Yeah, 100% and, yeah. And, and, and that, and that's really what's helped me get through yeah. so anyways i'm sorry like we're, we're going on different tangents yeah but so you
0: started learning so i started learning so
1: basically I, then i started doing my research which right. was like you know a year and a half two years in mm-hmm. how are these things done right I Started learning about cost of acquisition lifetime value acquiring customers efficiently mm-hmm. so i started to understand that um in startups it's not necessarily how profitable you are in Depends on what kind of business you want to run. There's nothing wrong with running a traditional business, but in startups mm. where you're looking for high growth and you want VC money, right. you really should be scaling the business and spending as much money on marketing, mm-hmm. doing it effectively, but not worrying so much about the business's bottom line in, in the early days, Correct. which yeah. I didn't know. Like I came from a finance background, accounting background, mm-hmm. and I was trying to manage the business like my dad would, which mm-hmm. is not the right approach when you're looking for VC money. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I started learning about all these things and then started pitching. And, mm-hmm. um, and um, what ended up happening is I got invited to a dinner of high net worth individuals. I pitched mm-hmm. at this event um, and this was very early days um, okay. and, and the pitching, one of the guys that saw the pitches was like, I want in on this, started having conversations, okay. turned out to be a super angel, raised uh, 600k from him. He's still, wow. he's still with us and still on the board That's amazing. and he supported us from that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, and that's when the business started to shift. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, so basically, like we, what we started doing is like we looked at the pool of money we had. And it's like how are we going to spend this? And mm-hmm. a big chunk would have to go to inventory, mm-hmm. right? And we had to figure out a way around that. How are we going to grow this business without spending a lot of money on inventory? So right. one way you can do that is you can negotiate payment terms, mm-hmm. so that you try to sell through your inventory and pay for it, mm-hmm. right? which when you're an early stage company, is difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what we started doing was smaller brands negotiating consignment contracts. Okay. okay. So basically consignment, what that means is you bring on products, mm-hmm. and then once you sell it, you pay for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can do that several ways. What we were doing is whatever we sell monthly, mm-hmm. um, we'd pay for, and okay. then at the end of a six month period, let's say, whatever we didn't sell, we would send back. Mm-hmm. Okay. We started doing that with smaller brands, helped us grow a bit but then Mm -hmm. what started happening over time and we started marketing a lot more on Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. is we started to get some awareness and we started getting some awareness brands were approaching us Mm. okay we have a different customer right our customers are let's say 25 to 50 years old
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, not necessarily high net worth individual but do have a high disposable income right the people that shop with us either don't have the time because they're very focused on work and trying to get ahead of, get ahead in life mm-hmm. or people that simply just want some advice from a personal stylist. Mm-hmm. So that's a unique database and mm-hmm. we're focused strictly on men and well, we still are mm-hmm. but we're focused strictly on men. So brands were coming to us as a brand positioning exercise. So they know we have certain brands like Hackett and Ralph Lauren and Lacoste. Okay. And they wanted their brands to sit in the same box as these guys. So it became
0: almost like a sampling activity for brands. No,
1: that's what they were trying to do, but I turned it into a consignment agreement. Okay. Okay. So you want to sit next to these brands. Yeah. So there's a brand, I probably should mention the name. Mm -hmm. It used to be a very well-known brand, but it's quickly died down. So, um... They You'll wanted as the name after. <laughs> oh, no, after <laughs> they have amazing products, okay, but people have an association with this brand from the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't know they had these products. Okay, so once they put their stuff in our in our boxes, mm-hmm. we were recreating that association with this brand, but on a different level with a mm-hmm. different customer. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so that's how we started getting consignment deals. And what's funny is what ended up happening is. What we realize is, when putting these brands in our boxes. Customers are buying from us, mm-hmm. and then going to the store to buy all the colors. Okay, that's so okay. we're actually pushing traffic back to the store. Okay, oh, great. We're rediscovering these brands. Oh, so that's
0: cool. that's interesting. That's pretty much like the glam box model, which which is subscription based. Well, what they did is they would send you samples of products yeah. of brands, yeah. all beauty, skincare, hair care, etc. So that you get to experience the brand, and there were a lot of brands that were signing up because they want to be seen in the same group yeah. as the other brands that they already had. By the way, and then going and sorry. exploring. Are you asking, is it a subscription service? Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. Mr. Draper? About yeah. No. Yeah.
1: It's we not was, a, so a, subscription. a subscription. subscription, no. Customers, are you just about doing to? Oh, you? We perfect. thought about doing it just mm-hmm. for, the, for the simplicity of the customer. Some customers, right. you'd be surprised how forgetful they can be. Right. Mm-hmm. If like the guy that used the service in two thousand fifteen mm-hmm. spent five thousand their dirhams, and it hasn't used it since, okay. and then we called them one day and said, "Hey, like, how's your? But what's going on?" Like, he said, "Oh, I completely forgot you guys were around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll use the service again." Oh. Yeah, because
0: that's an easy way to increase yeah, I mean, your lifetime value. Right, well, that's right? something we can
1: talk about. But it's like these things that we did, which uh, we learned a bit later on as our team grew bigger and we joined mm-hmm. five hundred startups, which we will get into in a bit.
0: So um, so yeah, so you could negotiate with these new brands that yeah. wanted to be part yeah. to come on a consignment basis. It's just a better
1: utilization of cash, right? So mm-hmm. right. instead of spending money on inventory, paying for it upfront and then selling it. And right. So what we would do is we negotiate these it consignment you contracts. Your it, right? And yeah. we'd pay monthly for what we sold. So basically we're paying from, this, from the money we're making. Right. And you
0: don't have any dead inventory exactly. at the end of it. Yeah. Exactly. And, okay. then,
1: and what else happens, now you can take the money and spend on marketing. Right. right that's when we got really good at marketing mm-hmm. okay so
0: so what did you do with marketing honestly I'm, I'm marketing. Business, of <laughs> yeah course. I, I love this it.
1: <laughs> it's actually like if I had to think so as a founder you have a general skill set yeah you, know? um, you have to know a bit about everything but one of my core now is marketing mm-hmm. that's what I've been working on myself and that, that's um, one of the process I'm deeply involved with uh, okay. even at this stage Mm-hmm. Um, I'm creating campaigns on Facebook and Instagram. I'm doing the targeting. And oh, I'm really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yourself? I <coughs> shouldn't be now, but I am, and mm-hmm. I enjoy
2: it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I know what you mean,
0: but, <laughs> but they have your friends, right? Like, I think, as a founder, that's... And do the things of your business that you really enjoy doing as yeah. well, and that you're good at,
1: so... Yeah, well, I should be doing more hiring and fundraising, but mm. this... Like, I struggle to let go of, but I need to at some stage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I started looking into Facebook and Instagram, like figuring out how to do this the best way. What want to figure out how to acquire customers as effectively as possible, and just yeah. make sure that the experience I have keeps them coming back as, mm-hmm. as frequently as possible, Right, mm-hmm. um, and increasing the retention. So um, we went through a phase where like, we grew 3X mm-hmm. year over year. Like, this is amazing, now we're gonna go out and raise a bit more funding. Mm-hmm. We started talking to some people, and one of the people that we talked to is 500 Startups, which is, if you're familiar with 500 Startups, yes. it's a, a US-based accelerator, yeah. and they have a branch here. Had a phone call with them, got accepted into the accelerator. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I just hired our first tech guy and our first marketing guy. Oh okay. wow! Um, so we got accepted, they invited us to Kuwait for a, it was basically a one month camp, two, it was two month boot camp. Uh-huh. Two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on. Okay. And then there was a pitch. There was a pitch day at the very end. Yeah. And just the learning we got out of that. Mm-hmm. So it's the ever since finishing that boot camp, our mm-hmm. business has, again, 2X'd oh really wow. we've been with them yeah like the super focus it's a lot about the funnel activation funnel marketing and right. strategies right. around that okay and in our business it was very important mm. yeah the things we learned there yeah like our growth has been tremendous quarter over quarter the past mm. let's say six months and then our cost of acquisition has dropped okay so the what, things that we learned there
0: so what happened at the end of the one month boot camp with 500 startups you pitch?
1: yeah we pitched to uh a group of investors, uh, we had a pitch day, um, it was about 15 of uh, us, 15. Yeah. I think 15 people in the cohort. Um, and then, yeah, you started having conversations with these investors, Mm etc. So, yeah,
0: I thought 500 startups was a lot more like early seed round. Yeah, it is.
1: Well, they have two, they have the early Mm pre-seed and they have that pre-series A. We were in a pre-series A. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. Okay.
1: So, did you get funding at that stage? Yeah. So we got funding from five hundred startups. We got okay. funding from an existing investor, mm-hmm. and now we're hoping to close a couple more deals. Okay. Good yeah. luck. Awesome. awesome.
0: Awesome. So, what advice would you give um, founders or people that are thinking about starting a business? What What has been the most important lesson that you've learned?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, so, the, the way I the way I think about the business is when you're launching. Mm-hmm. Day one, you need to manage the business along with the cap table side by side. Okay, okay. and I, it's a strange concept, but the reason I say that is because, let's say, hopefully that you get to a Series B or a Series C round. Mm-hmm. VCs or investors never want to see the founder with you know less than five, ten, less than ten or fifteen percent of the company because they'll feel you're not incentivized right. to continue running the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you're running the business, you need to also keep in mind when you're, you raise your initial round, mm-hmm. you need to have a business plan to understand where that's going to take you. Yeah. Once you understand where that's going to take you, and at the next stage that you're going to raise money, you're going mm-hmm. to need to raise money, what valuation are you going to raise at? Right. Mm-hmm. And how much percentage dilution is going to happen to at you that that, stage. at that stage. And then when you right. take on the next batch of money, how far along is that going to get you? Ideally, what you want to be doing is, you know, three, five or seven X in your business year over year with the yeah. money that you're taking mm-hmm. so that you're not as a founder diluted at each stage of fundraising. So when you run the cap table and your business plan actually go hand in hand, yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of people don't think about it that way because mm-hmm. um, what ends up happening, what ended up could happening, which happened to us at some stage and we had to get it fixed. Is we didn't grow fast enough because again we weren't spending on marketing and then we went to raise around. Mm-hmm. I got extremely diluted. Okay. And, and because we couldn't get the value because we didn't grow fast enough. Okay. But then I had to go back and fix that and redistribute equity, etc. Okay. So and that's buy some
0: people <coughs> out.
1: <coughs> Just shift yeah, shift equity around. Mm-hmm. Um so or you create like option pools or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I don't
0: understand that. Well, how, what do you mean by option pools?
1: So basically saying, you know, I gave you 25%, I shouldn't have done that. I need to take 5%, create an option pool to give them back to me mm-hmm. uh, as the founder, but mm-hmm. if I hit these types of targets. Okay. Yeah, so okay, okay. Like so like conditional could, equity Conditional like equity, exactly. That's okay, like okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's one, and that kind of, it's over-encompassing idea of, of how to run the business. manage the business plan and the cap table at the same time so what
2: you're saying is that you uh, plan for your future rounds of investment right now from the beginning yeah yeah so you say that okay I'm gonna raise three hundred thousand dollars right now that's gonna get me to this level of growth yeah which should then be able to achieve a million dollars of funding and then that's going to grow me till where I can raise $5,000,000 of funding. Right? Yeah. Like yeah you, you and
0: how much be... equity am I giving up exactly. at, at each, each stage? stage. Yes. Right. So
1: uh, let's just do an example. I think it's the best way to understand. You yeah. want to raise 300000 right? Right. With that $300,000, let us say you give away um, at the very beginning 10%. Right. With that 300000 when you're doing your business plan, you need to say, okay, I'm going to raise three hundred, and I'm going to do a $1,000,000 in my first year. Okay. Mm -hmm. At a million dollars in my space, you look at comparables. Like we would look at somebody like Nemshi, who's already exited 51% to Amar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They did 100 million in sales. They exited for 350. Mm -hmm. So you look at comparables in your market. So
0: 3.5x? Yeah, 3.5. So mm -hmm. if I
1: get to a million dollars, that means I should be able to raise my next round at 4 million. Mm -hmm. Right? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's that dilution to me? That's probably another, let's say, 20%, Mm -hmm. a $4 million valuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you do your business plan every year in that that kind of way. Like now, I'm going to raise two million dollars, mm-hmm. and this two million dollars is going to get me to you know five million dollars in sales, and that feeling fi- five million dollars. Yeah, is going to value your company, company at, at ten or, at 10 or, or fifteen or twenty. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you don't want to you know if you're going to raise money, raise enough that you're growing at a fast pace, that you're not diluting yourself. Okay. Um, and and so I you, guess you're saying raise enough money. It's, it's both right, like, right. It's like raise enough money but also plan to um, grow fast to grow up. fast okay. yeah with uh, ideally you should be doing it as organically as possible but yeah yeah mm. mm-hmm. okay. does that make sense uh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah
0: and I guess it's also important to not raise money when you absolutely have to for your business as well so <laughs> like um, we had uh, Ellie from Yellow Pickup who was talking about pitching is a constant project on mm-hmm. its own yeah. for your business yeah. so I guess don't wait till you run out <laughs> or very close to your runway Yeah, yeah. because you're, then you're not negotiating from a place of
1: strength yes no. yeah so in the US they, you can close around in three months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here it's like eight. Right. Oh really yeah, six to eight okay. so plan accordingly yeah. okay and as a founder and CEO which I'm very operational, I'm very on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great thing and go brag about that. But now investors are like, No, you should be out talking to us mm-hmm. and to people constantly. That's your job now. Yeah. And have it's someone like else take care of operations. Have, yeah, exactly. Like now you have product market fit. Like mm-hmm. so that's one of the first things you're testing is is there a need for this right. service, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And for us, how do you gauge need? Yeah. For us it's okay, can we get people to use the service? Yes. But more importantly, can we get them to come back? Right. And our retention rate is about 55%. Mm-hmm.
3: So if yeah. have a retention wow. rate of
1: 55%, you're like, okay, there is a need. People are constantly using the service. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, and they're using it, um, they want to use it even more, actually, but they want to use it for underwear. They want to use it for... Uh,
0: accessories.
1: Accessories. They want to use it for sportswear. But yeah. we don't cater to those things. So actually, our retention could be much higher. Okay. So I, so basically, mm. I, the point is, we've proven product market fit. We just need to scale that. And I shouldn't be the one I can lead that and kind mm-hmm. of set strategy to go forward but I shouldn't be the one on the ground doing it. Yeah, what I should be doing is making sure we have the money to do that. Right. Okay, so and are hiring you the people that? to do that.
0: Yeah. Are you working on fixing that? I'm trying, but like,
1: <laughs> I'm trying, but like, you know, I, I we have a group of guys and girls that we work with, and I love working with them. They're, I mean, I feel like I'm working with some really brilliant people. Right. Mm-hmm. And the things that they're doing, like I, I'm always so curious. I actually avoid going to the office sometimes because mm. I get so delved into their work and what they do. Right. And the things they do in terms of, let's call them growth hacks. Also, I'm not a huge fan of that term, but let's call them growth hacks. Yeah. I like, like that they, too. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's overused. Like, yeah, yeah, it, is. The guy's it like is. a saying, buzzword, yeah. I, I sent an email to refer people and that's a growth hack. It's not a growth yeah. hack. Yeah. It, like, you know, it, an example of an interesting growth hack that they've done is that we realized that our cohort from 2016 um, wasn't rec- wasn't come back and using the service. I think it was like the retention of that cohort was 33%. Okay. Um, in twenty eight so 2016 cohort in 2018, 33% were using the service. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, one of the things we did is we would call and figure out like people that had spent a thousand dirhams and above mm-hmm. Why were they not using the service anymore and unfortunately a lot of them either lost their jobs or left the country. Okay. okay. Nothing you can do about that. Yeah. But a lot of the guys that we were talking to were um, saying... Uh, like you know I I see your emails I'm interested in the product I click and then like it asks me to log in and I forgot my password so I just kind of give up okay Okay. how how silly is that yeah Yeah. so what our tech guy did is he built this thing called a magic link I said oh you forgot your uh, password click this and we'll send you a magic link to your email and you can log in directly from there so yeah. basically send sends like a link, he clicks a link, he's in his profile. Nice. We, we do that
2: too. So it's an yeah. instant login. Instant
1: login. Yeah. So, yeah, what well, a simple fix. But yeah. You wouldn't know unless you like talk to people. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we, we do that.
2: So we had a similar problem with Ajarkar where our car rental companies wouldn't respond to our requests uh, because they had to log in to the back end and like do their thing. <laughs> and like uh, we work with small to medium sized car rental companies. So it's hard to get them to adopt new technology. So we changed that. So we just put a, ma- a magic link, as you said, in the email that goes out to them. So they just have to click and accept and everything gets automatically, <laughs> like they don't need to log in. It's yeah. customized to their email for that particular email. So Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome.
1: It's all like, like you have to think about the psychology of the, the customer, or the, the business that you're working with. Yeah. The psychology of people. And, and like the more friction that you create, the less. The models and it. steps
0: that you create yeah. for them to. So
1: everything that when you think about these things, you need to think like, how do I do this and make it as frictionless as possible? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For these guys, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah. Yeah, but so I, I think mean, like, it's like, sorry, I'm like going back to that point. It's like, I don't go to the office because we spend so much time talking about these things. Because mm-hmm. what they're doing on a weekly basis is testing, testing, testing. Right. Mm-hmm like getting more people to open emails they're testing um, landing pages on ads they're testing different ads etc right mm-hmm. and every week they have re- numbers that they report back to me to say that, mm-hmm. okay this is what worked this is what didn't this what mm-hmm. this is what we're doing this week okay and some of the things they're doing is like I, wow that, mm-hmm. <laughs> i yeah. would have never thought of that that's okay cool. yeah
0: that's good yeah that's the thing right you always employ people that
1: no more than you no
0: know more than you yeah. yeah I was going yeah. to say that are smarter than you but I was like that's what it is like, that just know more than you or are specialists yeah. In, yeah. in that specific thing I mean as
1: cliche as it is like want to see jobs famous close is like you don't hire people to tell them what to do you yeah. hire them so they tell you what to do yeah, yeah. and yeah. like these are the guys that we have yeah. I, I, I very hands off mm-hmm. and they've kind of just helped the business explode without me being hands on I'm just going to make sure that you know they get paid and right. we have marketing mm-hmm. money that's my yeah. job okay <laughs> 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 Yeah, so,
0: nice. your first advice was uh, to match your business plan to your cap table. Yeah. Is that saying it correctly? Yeah, it's like
1: managing both at the same managing time. Managing both at the same time. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and second is since the lead time for closing a deal is, is very long, yeah. you need to be constantly pitching.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Constant talk to investors. And like one of the things that I've learned recently and perhaps I haven't been very good at is that you don't always talk to investors when you want to pitch. Try to develop that relationship early yes, on sure. and yeah. offline and like just have conversations, understand what they're interested in, yeah. um, briefly mention your business, what excites them about it, what doesn't, mm-hmm. what would get them to invest, what sure. stages they want to get you in. Like have those conversations early on before you even fundraising just so you develop that
2: relationship that's yeah, another I think, thing I learned late I think that relationship matters a lot and yeah. I'm just learning that now because yes. yeah. uh, uh, because you know I'm at that stage right now but uh, the relationship makes a huge difference 100%. if somebody knows you from before or they've heard of you or they've heard of your business mm. uh, when you, before you go to meet them or when you meet them if it's more casual than like just a pitch yeah, uh, yeah. it does uh, have, it, it gives time to develop that uh, understanding and rapport Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Um, so uh, I've been in marketing for a very long time, longer right. than I like to admit. But <laughs> yeah, um, not about that. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's not give away my age. Um, but uh, my last for in my last two years or so, uh, my role has been very much business development and a lot less on the execution side. Right. But but business development, and that's something that I've learned from just doing where you reach out to old prospects or, or people you know in the business yeah. with not the intent of, let me come and show you my creds and my case mm-hmm. studies, but the intent of, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. I saw this really cool event that I think you'd enjoy, and just, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and And I feel like that makes a really big difference, right. where I've actually seen that without me even having to ask, they've come back and said, we have a new project, we think this would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. And I think, even if nothing comes out of it, I'm happy to maintain that relationship. So I mm-hmm. guess it's the same way when you're pitching to investors too.
1: Yeah, 100%. It was funny when you were saying that, I was thinking like, it's it's kind of like the way email or retarding campaigns work on digital, right? Mm-hmm. You send out these emails to the, your customers, not necessarily saying always, and you may gotta make sure like, they're high value, high content emails. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of people would avoid sending stuff that's very focused on content, like four ways to wear a blazer, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a conversion type of email, it's more of an yeah. email with content. Yeah. But what those types of emails do, and I'm gonna come back to what you were saying earlier, because yeah. they keep you top of mind. Yeah. This is what the exercise you're talking about. You yeah, become top definitely. of mind for these people mm-hmm. um, when they start thinking about marketing we mm-hmm. become top which we want to be and I don't think we're quite there yet we want to be top of mind when people think about clothes mm-hmm. right when people will think about shopping or clothes they will, I want them to think Mr. Draper mm-hmm. because they get what they want and they get it super conveniently without having to do any of the work right yeah. they just WhatsApp their styles and say this is what I'm looking for they just click a button on their member profile and that's what we want to build mm-hmm. yeah it's the same exercise you're talking about here it's like, yeah no, you don't, you want to provide, selling. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to let them know, hey, like, I'm here, this top is what i mind. yeah. So yeah. next time they think about you, you're top value. of mind. Yeah, yeah.
0: and mm-hmm. I think another key component to that is frequency capping as well. So, sure, you want to provide value, but you also don't want to be calling a prospective lead five times with excuses for content (laughs) so I think that that is something with retargeting what a lot of people get wrong is how many times they telling me that they exist Like, come on already I don't want to go on your website
1: (laughs) so there's a way you can restrict that because I hear a lot of people always say like we always see your ads and they say it in the in That's not a way. bad way. Uh, that's not a necessary So I always get worried. Like, wait, are we targeting the same people way too much?
0: Well, if they're not saying it in a way like, oh, I'm tired of seeing your ads.
1: Maybe they're not. They're just being nice.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, I think people will... People have a tendency to say how they feel. Yeah. I don't know who these people are. But but um, yeah, I, like, if you've ever been on booking.com, booking.com is obnoxious with their retail. Yeah. I don't think they're that bad. They but are I've seen obnoxious. Some and better they're not strategic. After you've booked your hotels in Phuket, you're still seeing deals for Phuket. Yeah. Like, it's not strategic. You think
2: they would have, a, at that scale, they'd have
1: better... It's converted. It's, yeah, it's actually like the that. opposite. It's like, when you have a lot more money, mm-hmm. um, you end up, you tend to spend it less wisely. Yeah. No like, like a lot of these big brands that work here, like the big mm-hmm. retailers here, they use influencers. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm and they spend so much money on them and they've actually spoiled them a bunch. And I mm-hmm. hate to say it in, in, in that way, but I mean, that's the reality of it mm-hmm. is that they are very comfortable spending money on influencers mm-hmm. for the sake of getting likes more than actual convergence, conversions, right. which they're not actually tracking, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the problem with the, like the whole influencer space now here is that they've actually been quite spoiled. It's too so expensive. When either. a startup goes to approach them and say, hey, we want to work with you, and, but we want to do it in a way where we're making sure that, you know, we're, we're getting value to us. It's not about awareness, it's more about conversion, conversion. getting the right yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, the amounts that they charge are crazy. Yeah. So do you good. work with any influencers? No. But you've
0: worked with Elias Alendari. Yeah,
1: like he's like a very close friend. Like I've known oh, him for okay. a very long time. And okay. uh, what I like about Elias and what he's done is the fact that he's actually written a blog. and On SMF, a, right? Yeah, SMF. Yeah. I don't know if he's still doing that. But at some point, he was very active with that, writing great content and adding a lot of value. Mm-hmm. And he was the only person in the space doing it. Where you have a lot of people now with just uh, very big following on mm. on these social channels. Yeah. But I don't the poor think. Poor engagement convert. rates. Poor engaged Well. I mean, some of them have good engagement. I mean, like, the way with to the really tell if somebody's thing. buying or not, mm. I think, is if you look at video views, right? Yeah. Mm. You can't buy video views, to my knowledge. You can buy yeah. clicks but you, yeah. and likes, but you can't buy video views. Yeah. Uh, so if you you, have you like,
2: could. On YouTube, you can,
1: actually. No, no about Instagram. Instagram. I by Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, you see people with 400,000 followers, and then they have, like, you know, 3,000 views on their video. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Mm. So, anyways, I don't think the influencer space is developed enough. And... Not only not developed, and I, I don't blame it completely on that, our customers are also a bit different. Our customers mm-hmm. are not very active, nor would they respond to uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote influencers. I think a strategy in the long term for us. Two strategies. Mm -hmm. One is we we discussed offline briefly. Is content is a big one for us. Yeah. Yeah. Educational content about what to wear, when to wear it, how to wear it, etc. Sure. Um, And then there's also micro influencer strategies. We really want to work with people that have done things. Entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. um, people in sports, people in MMA, people in weightlifting, Mm. people that have you know done something and have a following. Those are people that we can you know. Our customers, I think, would aspire to be or be mm-hmm. like, and, and, and can actually influence. Yeah. But if you're somebody that's posting pictures of outfits all the time, I, mean, yeah, I don't think that's interesting for our customers. Yeah. That's um,
0: interesting. It's like more like dress for success, or mm-hmm. this is what successful people dress like. Yeah. yeah. You want to be d- successful, cool. dress like them. Exactly. I think that's very interesting than the superficial. This looks good with these mm-hmm. shoes and yeah yeah i think i think that's an interesting our customers approach. are
1: very um how would you call it i mean they're very it's the traditional is not the word but they're very straightforward they mm-hmm. 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 don't like the glitz and glamour like we don't we don't send high street high fashion things mm-hmm. we send things that they're going to wear every day to work right um, or they're going to wear every day to a, a dinner with their wives or girlfriends or mm-hmm. a, a night out with their friends yeah but um, mm-hmm. we you i don't think and, I might be speaking too early, but you're not going to see us sending these t-shirts that are coming down below your knees and have holes in them. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what's in right now. That's not That's not where yeah. customers are, and they don't okay. want mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're never going to pay 500 dirhams for a t-shirt just because it has a certain logo on it. Right. So mm-hmm. customers are... Never, like a supreme. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> our customers yeah. are not that.
2: Yeah. So, um, speaking of that, like, so I remember when I first saw um, Mr. Draper Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was um, maybe three years ago. Okay. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is such a cool concept because I hate
0: shopping. He hates shopping. I hate
2: shopping for and myself. And then I shop for him, he's like, eh. I, no, I, I can't, I can't have somebody else, uh, like her shop for me. Right. But I like the idea of Mr. Draper because I was like, um, okay, like I, I can see the stuff. So I don't have to go to the mall and look around for things. Uh, and then I can choose what I want and I can send the rest back yeah Um, but I never actually went to that step I'm just trying to think of psychologically why I didn't do it because there were so many times where I saw the ad for it I was like yes this is something I want to try and uh, and then I went I remember even going to the site and like going through half your process of uh, yeah Because I think the first step is uh, you create an account and then you give your measurements, right? Which is, I guess, is a must for this business, right? Mm. Uh, I think somewhere there I was like, okay, I'm giving my measurements and then I just dropped off and I didn't get back to it. Did you get to the credit card page? Uh, I don't remember. Potentially, I might have got to the credit card. I, I
1: would feel like that that's our biggest drop off point, obviously. Yeah, very natural. Yeah. It's like the checkout page for typical e commerce, mm-hmm. right? So, I'd be curious if that, I mean, that's the, the point you got. So, yeah. I mean, just an interesting thing we've done this is another test that we run, right? Is obviously you're looking through your onboarding flow and you're trying yeah. to understand where the biggest drops off and like what can you do to fix it. And yeah. we know credit card is where the biggest drop off yeah. is. Mm-hmm. So, what we've done is said. Put in your credit card details now. For us, when you put in your credit card details, you're ready to go. You're ready to get your box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have your sizes. We have your styles. Your, your signs Your personal stylus, We have all your information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In order for us to send the box and have a security, we need your credit card details. Yeah. So course. in case like you run off or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've done is at that at that page, we've incentivized mm-hmm. saying, "Put in your card details in the next thirty minutes and get twenty percent off." Okay. Nice. So, Did that work? Yes. That's yes. yes. Magic. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, and what people end up doing is they put in their credit cards and then use the service like three months later. So okay. I, I, I did it at the twenty percent off. Mm. So, so you, did you do you have the facility to save the credit card details on the profile? So not us personally. So we work with Payfort. It. It's an okay. Amazon okay. company yeah. now. Yeah. So they have an encrypted version of it. We personally don't have access. Yeah. to it Yeah, I know that, but uh, <laughs> so you, but you save the card. Like so, yeah. once a customer puts in a card, they I don't have, have to put it bl- uh, uh, again. again. Okay. If you use the service again, by the way. We got your box. Okay. Yeah. So, th- this is a pretty rough thing. I mean, uh, typically, what we do is we have information like your height and weight yes. and your sizes and what brands. Sure. But what I told the stylist to do is like, Here's the YouTube links to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to pick out. So what they've done is they picked out two looks for you. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this is the box that yes. you would typically receive. If you want to open it up, you can. Yes. Yeah. They put together two looks for you. And I don't know if you have the time, but it would be awesome if you tried them on and so gave your wife a all... uh, fashion. <laughs> and that's what's cool about the service. And that's what yeah. ends up happening. The I like the, the box. Yeah. Cool. So for all you audio listeners,
2: um, he's got a box for us. It's about a, a foot and a half. Five foot and a half um, You guys can watch this on YouTube if yeah, you want because our uh, podcast so. is available
1: on YouTube as well. So basically, a customer, basically what they say is that when like, the box comes, yeah. mm-hmm. their wives are getting excited because they're yeah, exciting like... it's
0: like unwrapping a gift. It's a fashion it show cool. for the
1: wives as well, right? It so, is
0: packaged really well.
1: So, okay, I want you to give... Obviously, like we just looked at the YouTube that so we don't have a lot of details on you. So mm-hmm. if you initial initial reaction
2: I like the packaging of the box so I like yeah. that uh are the shoes in here as well yep mm-hmm. oh cool
1: so you guys do clothes and shoes and, and accessories access- some accessories yeah we're starting to experiment
0: so what accessories do you do
1: sunglasses pocket what? squares belts socks watches not, not watches, watches not
0: yeah watches. watches would I think in I mean more costlier right
1: yeah, in a sense, and I just don't think that there's a way that you can predict, because a lot of our business is based off technology and data, Okay. so a customer uses our service, there's an engine that's basically learning, we, we didn't get the chance to talk about that, but it's You're learning right. about the customer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, when a customer first uses a service, what we try to do is create body doubles of that guy to understand his sizing using the data, okay. but also to predict his style, Based off the styles he selected, and people have sim- selected similar styles and use the service. So
0: like lookalike no. audiences. So like, use
1: machine learning. We have we have a recommendation engine built on machine learning. Okay. We're feeding it a lot of data, and we're trying to learn customer behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Um, so the customer lifecycle works like this: you sign up, you get your box, you return some things, and you give feedback on the things that you liked and didn't like. Okay. And then the, the more you use the service, the more we learn about you, the more we personalize. Okay. And we. There's another area that we're testing is like what data inputs across our customers are going to help us predict what the customer wants in his box. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's interesting is could be location. Okay. Okay. People in Dubai Marina and people at Yas Island have the same taste preferences. Really? Oh, interesting. Is that true? So if you look at it statistically, yes. Is it a cause and effect? We don't know. That's Mm -hmm. so interesting. So far, like we can, like they have the same type of taste patterns for some reason or another. Uh
0: Interesting. But isn't it an exercise that you need to keep doing based on trends? Or considering that you do a lot of classic pieces with with a little bit of an edge from what I can gather, um, do the trends cycle in fashion not affect?
1: To an extent. But uh, depends on the customers, and for us, they don't have that much of an impact, and we're too early and too small to say yes mm-hmm. or no. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think at some point, that will come into play.
0: So not as much fad determined? No, as, not at all. As, okay. Not at all. Great. So, so, so we're going to try like, this on? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. I like this shirt. Really? It's very
0: cool, yeah. Yeah, it I is. I've never it guessed. Um,
2: this Sid. one, I have a lot of tees like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, the white pants, I do like white pants, but I'll have to check the fit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so
1: and let's go. I want to <laughs> yeah. try yeah. yeah. Oh, Comfort that's guy. a pretty
2: good fit. I
0: like it. Okay on the arms.
1: That's another thing. Like if he would need tailoring, he just tells us. Okay, yeah, he has
0: really it. long limbs as well. So
1: yeah, I, I generally
2: like my, my hands or arms are really long. So I tend to have short sleeves, but I think, for but this is up, a good, before, yeah. And and I've never experimented with funky scarves. What do you think, wife? Pocket square, yeah. Pocket squares, yeah.
0: Very cool. I
2: like it,
0: man.
2: I like the
1: look. So which brands do you guys have? So Mm -hmm. we want to work with a lot more. But right now we have uh, Reese, Scotch and Soda, Hackett, Lacoste, Ralph Lauren, Mm -hmm. um, Scotch and Soda, Van Hills, Tommy Hilfiger. Um, Wow. Yeah. yeah, Well, Um, we need a lot more. uh, Yeah, but a
0: lot of brands that a few brands that you already wear
2: all right guys so this oh. is my look <laughs> uh, i really liking this look
0: <laughs> i'm really liking the white pants they as well.
2: got it pretty good uh, considering they don't know my size so it's uh, a yeah, this is a good straight
1: from the video yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Nice
2: but colors. I like it,
1: man. I like the look. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it looks good on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about like your skin tone when you're picking out shirt colors? And I am, I'm like terrible, like I'm not
2: fashion conscious at all. Alright guys, so uh, for you podcast listeners right now, we just tried out some of the stuff that was in the box. So I've got a pink shirt on with some white pants and a blazer with a fancy oh, it's uh, a pocket square, pocket square. Yeah. and I think it looks pretty good if you guys want to check it out uh, you can see it on we'll put it up on our Instagram page
0: yes definitely, uh, definitely. or you can
2: check it out on our Facebook page uh, all social media channels we have Startup Pass in the Middle East and am digging the look
0: Oh, the wife is really digging the look. (laughs) I never thought I'd see the day where you wear white pants and they look good. And the pocket square, never seen that.
2: I'm not very... um,
0: Experimental.
2: Experimental with my fashion. So this is something I never tried. So that's one of the reasons I actually wanted to try Mr. Draper. I was like, I need to get out of my comfort zone
1: in terms of fashion. Let me give you some realness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what we realized is that although you say these things i want to experience i want to try these things yeah a lot of customers that we push on mm. uh, style um out of their we try to push them out of their comfort zone in terms of style yeah through the box service mm-hmm. they say like i like the things in theory but i don't think i can pull them off so they send mm. them back okay okay so what they end up doing is so we have another service that we don't talk a lot about a lot about okay it's something that's interesting and we want to explore down the line mm-hmm. is we have a thing called a styling session in our showroom. Okay. Mm. So we've carved out the space in our offices where a customer can come, try on some clothes, work with the stylist one-on-one, pick out some looks and buy things on the spot. Oh, okay. And what we realize is there's where they're willing to experiment with a stylist telling them one looks good and what doesn't based off their skin tone, body type, etc. Oh,
2: cool. So you have an in-person service
1: as well? Yeah. We'll put, yeah. It's free as well, right? Okay. So uh, both services that we offer are free. So to expand and to test our hypothesis, we said, okay, like we should do this service mm-hmm. as a diff- as a um, as a offshoot of our current service, mm-hmm. but move the the service closer to the city. Okay. So we partner up in August with Vita Hotels. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we they gave us a suite um, for twenty days. Where we kind of opened up a pop-up shop for these styling sessions oh that's so cool that is amazing yeah so what ended up happening is the amount of bookings doubled the amount of sales from that server is doubled oh, wow. and it became not only a place for a customer to get styled mm-hmm. it became a place for a customer to one get to know his stylist and get comfortable with us as a business and make sure that we're real right mm-hmm. also became uh, a place for them to really expand their style after they got their box so what mm-hmm. they would do is they'll get their box they would like the items mm-hmm. and now that we're closer to the city they would actually come to the styling session with the box we sent them and say okay I like these things not showing how to wear them oh, wow. okay. so very it turned cool. into that oh, yeah cool. I
0: think I think it's also that they have this assurance right that you are you are really working with stylists that are taking into account skin tone and, and yeah. things and fit of course um, so yeah, it just suddenly bringing an online experience and being able to touch and feel and have a tactile experience with the brand, Yeah, in-person experience with the brand, I, I imagine would be very good. Yeah. Look, and for mm-hmm. us,
1: we feel like that's the future of retail. So finding a way to blend both online Omnichannel, and offline. Right? Omni-channel, right. Yeah. Omni-channels, yeah. It's a buzzword.
0: Right? Another buzzword. I
2: think the buzzword. clothing <laughs> it's a really good uh, mix, you know. Um, I don't buy... She buys a lots, of, lots of clothes online, but I don't because you worried about fit. I'm worried about fit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like the fact about Mr. Draper that over time it will get better. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. It will learn based on taste.
1: So like if I really had to sum up the service, mm-hmm. so we are blending online and offline with the box service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just like online, you're getting to shop from home mm-hmm. just like you would with a typical online shop. Mm-hmm. But just like the mall, you're getting to touch and feel an item before actually committing to it. Right. So what happens now with online is you're, buying something before mm. touching and feeling it and seeing it. Right. And then once it comes and it doesn't look like it did online or it doesn't fit that way, yeah. you have to spend time out of your day to send it back and wait for a refund and all that. Yeah, And
0: so you, it's not like those players are understanding your taste as you do that. For the
1: most part, no, yeah. 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 It's just like you returned it and they have a 30-40% return rate and that's all they yeah. know. Yeah. With us, it's like, yeah, I returned it because you know it was one size too small. Mm-hmm. or the sleeve was a bit long, or I don't like the color pink. Right. So the system, system learns and tries to adjust going yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Very cool.
0: Great. Uh, I do want to say that I really, really like the name, Mr. Right. Draper. So I think it has to do with Don Draper, but which is why I love the name. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about the thinking? It's so, so
1: funny. Um, so when we were coming up the name, we had a WhatsApp group with all these, the people that were super excited in the beginning. Yeah, and we're coming up with names, and Mr. Draper just happened to be one of the names. So, uh, Mr. is to give the masculine feel. Mm-hmm. The word Draper itself means somebody who dresses or drapes somebody else. Okay. Right. So okay. that's what the actual word drew and that's how we came up with the name. I mm-hmm. um, actually didn't find out until about Mad Men, until two thousand sixteen. I didn't know that okay. Draper was a character, but it was such a great association. Yeah. yeah that that I, we never made the connection, but people would always make that connection. And I didn't really get it. Okay. Uh, there's a guy named Don Draper in Mad Men. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, great. <laughs> and then I realized who he was and what he dressed and what he looked like. I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. That a is a really good association. It's, it's, it's a good uh, uh, image to have. yeah. yeah. Exactly. So now it's funny, like when you sign up and you create a profile, like we have an avatar and it's the shadow, it's the, um, uh, what's it called? it's yeah, so basically the shadow of don draper as your image uh, like a silhouette oh. of, a Silhouette of, yeah uh, okay. exactly that's and very cool it, yeah so until you change your picture yourself
0: okay very cool so, um what is the starting price point of a uh, mr draper box
1: so what's great is that we figured out how to provide this awesome service and we charge the same price as the malls so there's no actually premium to the price you pay at the malls oh okay and sometimes the, the, the malls will discount we won't know but we do price match Okay. Um, so we're charging the same prices that they do in the shops like Hackett and Ralph Lauren and Scotch and Soda and Maurice. We okay. our prices are equivalent to theirs mm-hmm. in the okay. UAE. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So like, a shirts are between three to five hundred. The pants three to five hundred. Blazers are six to two thousand. Shoes are six to two thousand. Shorts are two fifty to four hundred. Okay. okay. So yeah, we're in that, We're I wouldn't say like we're uh, mass like Zara mm-hmm. and and H and M. And we're not luxury or we're at the High mid, mid-tier, yeah, mid-tier okay. price point.
0: Okay, okay. And uh, value of a box is about, it, it depends on 3 the can
1: range to 5,000 dirhams. Okay. But you, again, you're only paying for what you keep from the box. Okay, yeah. great. Amazing. No, apart from the box, I'm just curious, are you ever
2: worried that people will like, wear the clothes of course, and then return them? Of course without it paying?
1: Uh, does it happen? It happens and we charge them. Oh my God. You charge them? yeah. As you, how you How do you find out? Smell. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, oh. obvious. sometimes I'm sure like it's happened and we haven't found out, but sometimes the guys are just ridiculously obvious. Okay. Like we know the barcodes. Our team, like our quality assurance team, knows yeah. that our barcodes for jackets, for example, for mm-hmm. some brands are here. Mm-hmm. They come back and the barcode is here. Okay. Ah. And get, like cologne is on it. It's so, okay, like we're okay. Okay. Oh,
2: cool. I'm definitely going to be a customer for Mr. Yes. Draper in the yeah. future. Yeah. I'll yeah. Go complete my online booking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. And uh, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to use the service, like legitimately, not just <laughs> because yeah, you're like, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. Um, great. Any final words? Do you think we missed out on anything?
1: One thing I would want to highlight is uh, what you notice, in, which is great but also dangerous at the same time. And what's interesting, by the way, is um, Gary V when he came mm-hmm. um, and he spoke at Shirat, the accelerator in Sharjah. Right, yeah, we that He kind of he, he dressed he addresses and he, it's a global phenomenon, but it's also happening here. Mm-hmm. Although the ecosystem is developing and um, you know there's a lot more money coming in, a lot more investment. According to the last Magnet report, you know it's been less yeah. year yet for investments. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that is happening, and a lot of people are starting businesses, which is great. Um, but one thing that I wanted to highlight is the um, association that goes with entrepreneurship and, um, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> So the assumption that goes like the glamorous lifestyle that people think entrepreneurs have, actually it's the complete opposite. Right. So don't go into the business. Again, like it depends what type of business you want to start. If you want to start a high growing VC funded startup, Mm -hmm. that is not going to be a business where it's a very glamorous lifestyle. Go into it with the right expectations. Mm -hmm. If you want to do freelancing and do graphic design and, you know, do digital marketing on the side and live in Thailand. That's a different... We're not talking about those types of businesses. I'm talking about a startup that wants to get VC funding and wants to be high growth. Don't go into those businesses with the mentality that um, I want to be my own boss and... um, I can work from anywhere. I can work from anywhere and the lifestyle aspect of it. Go about it uh, in a sense that, you know, you're solving a big problem and you're going to be working... When I say working, it doesn't necessarily mean like on a computer for 16 or 18 hours a day. Like working sometimes is mentally, all, f- Mentally thinking. You're yeah. never switched off. Even on weekends. Even and That's what a lot of people also get wrong. They think yeah. that when you when we say working, you mean like you're in front of a computer 16 hours. But yeah. it's not just that. It's mentally thinking about the business. Um, having an emotional reaction to the business on the weekend. When mm-hmm. you see something go wrong. Um, not taking a lot of holidays. Which is mm-hmm. not suggested. But... Yeah. It does happen because you yeah. are, you know, running a business. So go into it knowing the full realities of what it is to start a business and yeah. don't just think about all the positives. <laughs> At one point when I was driving down Shipside Road, I saw a billboard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forget. It was like um, a co-working space. And mm-hmm. said, become an entrepreneur in, in big letters. And wow. Be your own boss. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is not the right message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, not yeah. the right message. Yeah. yeah.
0: It should be becoming an entrepreneur. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And it never stops. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. keep on hustling. <laughs> That's our catchphrase, yes. by the way. Yeah, keep on hustling. <laughs> keep on yeah. hustling, well, yeah. I mean, like,
1: that, yeah. that is it, right? That's yeah. what it takes. Yeah. Uh, nothing happens overnight. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So make sure people have that understanding. So yeah. In. Sure.
0: Great. Um...
1: All right, guys, so we're going to wrap up this
2: episode of Star of Us Middle East. Thank you so much for coming on the episode. It was really insightful, uh, you know, to know how your journey was. And um, yeah, you guys can check out Mr. Draper. We're going to leave links to uh, the company in the description so you can check them out. We'll leave links to uh, Mahmood's uh, personal LinkedIn profile as well. Yeah. 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 I love yes. talking to people about these things, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Right. Amazing. So, so if you want to connect with him, uh, we'll leave the links in the description. Definitely check out Mr. Draper if you live in Dubai. Is it only in Dubai? It's UAE. UAE wide. Yeah. So you guys can check it out if you're a man in UAE. Uh, so it's far. a pretty cool service. So far. <laughs> yes. And Definitely.
0: if you're a man and clueless about shopping, which is... Or you just hate it. Or
2: Or just hate it. Or don't have time. Or Or you want to try something else. This podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. So if you guys prefer the audio version, we're on iTunes, we're on Android podcast and pretty much all the podcast networks. We are also on YouTube. So if you prefer watching the video version, we're on YouTube. Just search for Startup Hustle Middle East. So we're on pretty much all the social media at Startup Hustle ME. Give us a review if you're listening to us on the podcast. That really helps us out and spread the word uh and that's pretty much it
0: and if you're an anchor you can leave us a voice note uh as well um if you have a specific question for Mahmood we'll get him to answer that too
1: thank you guys so much for having me sure was um, awesome. awesome awesome keep
0: on hustling you <laughs>